Microphone check, one, two, what is this? It's the five foot seven assassin in the podcast business. I am your host, Rohan Patra, the rap music plug at your service. Here we are again at the end of the rap music plug podcast presented by QLC TV is the remedy to the I don't have anything good to listen to problem. Through in-depth album and song reviews, as well as artist interviews and general rap commentary sprinkled in between on all of what the mainstream and underground rap scenes have to offer, this is your one-stop shop to knowing what to add to your queue, play next, or pop into your record player. Welcome to the show. What is up, family? Today, I am very happy to be joined by a deeply talented an artist an honest artist from baltimore who just released his latest album titty brown brown which is very very dope and also who released my favorite day parade back in 2019 i'm pleased to be welcomed by the baltimore version of machine gun kelly teddy failey <laughs> if you don't get the reference then you gotta listen to the new album it ain't working the way I hope So I'm curbing my enthusiasm Trying to park a boat When the side effects of ego When a tendency to smoke Sign me up I'll try and get your tongues unstuck You'll sign me up Silence ain't so golden When it kicks you in the ribs And whispers yo You gotta focus On bad bonus time old When they bad notice I'm basking the same sun I burnt them of a crab's ghost with But man, before we really get into it I just want to say a shout out to Some of my patrons And some of the fans that listen to this show Because I actually initially wasn't on to, to your music up until earlier this year where just some people were like, I think it was when you announced that this album was coming, people like some of my like listeners were like, oh, you got to check this out. And I was like, okay, cool. Really liked it. And then I think someone, one of my patrons, like Kana Khalil, I think he specifically like added you and he said, you guys should, you guys should talk. And I was like, that's a great idea. So just a message to everybody. I'm listening. You know, I take the feedback and I'm really happy we're doing this because I've been really enjoying getting into your music. So, yeah. How are you doing? Uh, I'm swell. I'm swell, except for the throbbing pain in my face. Um, <laughs> I've got a toothache, but other than that, I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much for having me on, man. I appreciate it. As you are from Baltimore, I'm curious to know, like, what was your what was your first experience with hip hop? Like, how did you get into it growing up there? Well, I mean, the day that I heard Machine Gun Kelly changed my life. Um, I was just hanging around, you know, some fucking douchebag was playing douchebag music. And, uh, and I was like, man, whoever this guy is, is uh, he's, you know, that's my future right there. So he's the future started, of music. He's bringing pop yeah. back. You know, he's making yeah. it great again. So I started like to pop get tats. Punk. I started with the tats and then I got a shovel because I saw a music video where you had a shovel. I didn't know what was going on with it but i figured it was necessary um and then i kind of got stuck after that uh, that's no, i'm just kidding um and what was the question how did i get into music was that yeah the like hip-hop would you would you yeah uh, in terms of listening i've been listening since i was a kid i've been a fan since you know uh like in my brain it goes like beach boys because my mom would listen to the beach boys and then nope. it, then it's like wu-tang and Nas and, you know, every single person from Queensbridge and stuff like that. Um, so I've been a fan forever. Uh, I started making music when I realized you could make music. Like it never dawned on me that I could do that sort of thing mm -hmm. until I saw a friend of mine uh, battling some dude outside of my high school. And I was like, oh shit, you just, you don't need a degree or like permission to do this sort of stuff. You can just do it. And uh, I was lucky enough to have him come by the crib and show me some of the like oldest recording home recording techniques on computers and stuff. Mm. And then, uh, and I just kept it up. I was lucky enough to like meet good people, like talented folks. I, I was terrible for like a solid two and a half to three years. Like I was very bad. I didn't understand cadence whatsoever. Um, but I just, you know, kept at it and then eventually, you know, kind of, kind of nailed it. And I think I'm still learning to this day. Like if you listen to, like my first real release, Apple Juice, mm -hmm. and then you listen to Teddy Brown Brown. I, I I think I'm not impartial here, but I think I sound completely different. And I think that that's just constantly 
like either learning something or abandoning something you didn't need in the first place. Um, so yeah, so I've been doing it for, I've been doing it since I was like 17 years old and now I'm 120. Well, in that uh, 80 year gap, I mean, I think I do see, I do see like, I feel like you sound really comfortable and I think you push the envelope a bit in how you deliver your lyrics and kind of how you frame things. It's, it's definitely very bold. And I think I do notice that when I listen to those two records side by side. And, you know, throughout your catalog, you, especially these last two albums, the, the sound is like really gritty. It's really hard nosed, progressive. Um, so like, what were your, some of your like biggest musical influences, particularly from like the production sound, because you definitely have an affinity for that kind of sound. Well, Teddy Brown Brown's really, that was out of my hands completely. I didn't, I mean, not completely. I had a big part to play in post-production or whatever, but that is not, that's not my bag typically. Um, it may be going forward because I enjoyed, you know, working on it and I enjoyed the space that those beats mm. like gave me or whatever. Whereas before when I was producing my own stuff, it was a lot of noise. A more claustrophobic. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And like I over when I'm producing my own stuff, I over compress the shit out of everything. I really like a, um, I like a, I like a compressed sound. I like a, like a strong vocal and I like a, you know, I, I was listening to your podcast with um, Steel Tip Dove and you guys nice. were talking about compression and shit. And I was like, they're talking about stuff I like in a negative way. <laughs> but but everybody does like all of my all of all of my producer buddies all my engineer buddies they're like yeah if you look at your catalog in a waveform it's just a block like <laughs> or whatever some um, of the best music is like that it's all like a preference all it make all it works yeah and it, it allows for like it also is like sort of sort of for me at least a cover-up for mistakes or whatever like you could always lean on that compression to to cover up a you know a shit kick or whatever it'll just kind of move the kick you know out of the out of the way a little bit and make it less noticeable um and it would give me i do i when i do my own production i do a lot of like drops and shit like that i like to take stuff away and then give it mm. back for an effect and when you have something that's so like loud and compressed that and then you go in there post you know, you go to the way before after you actually mix the track and then you manually take down whatever you need to take down. Right. Uh, it's rudimentary, but it, it does give it more of a, you know, more of an effect. But th this record was mastered by Sea uh, Money Burns, I believe. I've never said that out loud. I hope that's how it's said. Um, oh, yeah, I follow him. I actually, I, I would think that's how you, I think that's how you'd say it. I don't know how else you'd so say too. it. Yeah. Yeah, but I, well, I thought your name was Ro, Rohan when I first started this. Uh, Bro, know? everybody says my name is like, all the white people I know say Rohan as like the initial, and then they get closer and closer as I correct them. So I'm a little much. better than yeah, most white definitely people. Definitely are. I'm like yeah. one step better. Okay. Yeah. But uh going to that like uh that brick of sound type vibe, um, I'm even like thinking of a very, 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 very one of probably one of the most expensive rap albums ever made in Dark Twisted Fantasy by Kanye. If you've ever listened to ever looked at that fucking waveform, it's just complete brick it's super grainy and over compressed but i find and i find like a lot of times when people when artists take that kind of route i think for that album like it's definitely one of my favorite albums it's uh it dirtied up what was otherwise such a luxurious sounding album that it kind of like it kind of took away from it being too cute too perfect even though it does like it's so maximalist like it still kind of felt a little dirty which I think was a neat kind of uh, production choice because otherwise it would it could have sounded like just too manicured and and clean, right? Um, I've I've never heard that record, but I know what you mean generally. You've never heard it um, at all. You've definitely heard some songs like that. Can't I've be. heard some name some songs on it like Power. That's in like a bunch of movies. Yeah, I've heard Power, Monster, the oh. one that Nicki Minaj like kind of like uh, oh yeah the one of. that she murdered where yeah. i was like wow Nicki minaj yeah. had bars yeah, <laughs> yeah and that and that song's fucking really one of the, the the more dirty songs in terms of the the mixing and stuff uh but yeah i just like the effect that it has and i've i feel like over the past few years i've i've gotten a lot more accustomed to that kind of like yeah the over compressed 
sort of yeah, over compress and then just other kind of things not necessarily the exact same techniques but just things that make the sound feel a bit dirtier gritty yeah. grimy i like that I, I i feel like a few years ago i'd be a little a little more impartial to it yeah yeah there's one joint on teddy brown brown the indistinct chatter that has a lot of noise in it and i i like i think it works for that like both my and mike brown's vocals are pretty distorted as is the sample and that was all mm -hmm. on alexander brown like that that beat is a tom delay beat but then alexander brown like went to town on that sample and made it more substantial by adding that distortion and i think mm -hmm. that sound works really well i also think that some of the best records i've ever heard are this is kind of a left turn here but uh are, are mixed terribly like if you listen to like the first three or four years of wu-tang with a critical ear now you'd be like what the hell what's going on with with this sounds like shit like to sounds like shit mm -hmm. uh you know a lot of uh like mob deep's early records sound like shit and you know uh 17 or 18 year old me walking around with the disc man wasn't like why are the snares so low on this or mm -hmm. you know how come the how come the bass ain't hitting like it should be hitting like it was just what it was it was magic to me you know i feel like with a lot of that i think it's it's a it's a question of like I, that album would have sounded so much worse to me so not just a little worse like so much worse it was mixed more quote-unquote like high audio fidelity techniques and all that because it just sounds so gutter and that's so perfect for what they were going for yeah same with something like fun crusher plus like fun crusher plus yeah isn't isn't mixed incredibly but it, it it's mixed how it should be mixed like it sounds you know dusty like he says yeah dusty yeah, yeah that's the word and you know so like another really really good part of your music that i love is like your sense of humor and the way you use like nihilism um it's a pretty fucking twisted sense of humor i'd say like bad news on the new album that's just legitimately like one of the most hilarious songs i've heard in so long it's just devilish like it's just just thank you brutal it's so funny yeah, thank though. you um, there's two there's two two takes on that song i get two different takes and then the the first is the like what's wrong with you like this is the meanest shit that i've heard Fair. like this Fair this take. shouldn't <laughs> yeah um and it it, it it caused some issues in getting the record out there uh initially um why because do people think it was like too mean or made you look you know, bad too much stuff but it's we, we kind of had something sort of lined up and then I think that song cost us the the what was lined up initially. Um, oh damn! Yeah, I think my my theory is that it's like a very like if I had like a Venn diagram, all of the people who were who like react like shocking like that. What are you fucking talking? This is why are you just being a shit? The whole this is the worst thing you could possibly say for three minutes or whatever. Um, that they're all stepdads and they're all musicians um that's my my like pet theory i haven't actually checked that out yet but uh i think because it, it does touch on something that that happens like you i've seen couples break up uh i've seen a dude i've seen plenty of dudes introduce their girls this is my i found this local artist let's go check them out and i've seen that relationship fall apart and i've seen that dude swoop you know what i mean mm -hmm. um but no that none of that song is supposed to be serious at all that is not my that's not me uh whatsoever that was just me like i wrote the first four bars of that without even thinking about where it's gone the you know uh, uh some 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 i urinated in your sink i saw your neighbors in the street i told them that you pee in sinks and then i i had that just blankly and then i was like well, how can i build on that and i was like well it, it turned into me just being like what how could I'd be the meanest person ever. And yeah, I think you're like exploring just being a douche, it. like just a like just right. a douchebag. And it, but it, it's like I I don't think I ever even assumed that's actually how you are. I just felt like you were just going on a tangent, like painting like painting this douche character. Really, really. Thank you. That's details. That's what I was hoping <laughs> <And> it, <laughs> the details are just remarkably brutal. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh well, it's just like the way the whole fucking your bitch thing like just the way even like the that's what i was saying earlier about 
the confidence and how bold you are and like how you are communicating some of this stuff it's just it's really pushing the envelope but i think it like lands you know because you're, you. you're getting really coy and i don't know sly if that's a word to use for this just in the way you're saying it it's just funny yeah well thank you that's kind of what i was going for with it i think and then also in other songs on this album and again just like generally in your catalog you take a kind of nihilistic or you kind of layer humor into topics that are more personal are more serious quote unquote um and i'm just curious like why you choose to do that versus approaching topics in a more like normal way do you feel that's just more of a reflection of how you look at things or do you feel that speaking in this like nihilistic dark humor kind of way pulls out something special in the music uh it's i don't make a lot of choices when it comes to stuff i just like i go with what i am feeling at the time so like at no point that i sit down and i'm like what i'm going to do for teddy brown brown is i'm going to try to speak more plainly and like get into how i view the world uh in a more literal sense uh like it just happened because that's how i feel now um that shit sucks you know um certain things over the past like 10 years or so kind of pushed me in a direction where i kind of became convinced that shit does like it, it at the end of the day at the very end of the day like everything is terrible and and i don't think that's healthy and i'm not saying that that's the way that's a good philosophy or whatever i'm not even saying that's true i'm saying that that's the, my that's how i feel or whatever uh, but i've also always been the person who or who appreciates the humor in darkness i think some of the funniest shit i've ever heard is the most terrible things i ever heard i think comedy is at, at its root uh subverted expectations and so mm -hmm. if you're talking about something terrible and then you slip a joke in it's uh it's that much more funny the, the funniest thing i've ever heard in my entire life if you don't mind me telling a story that has nothing to do with me well, has something to do with me so my mom's dead um and she's been dead for a while my brother was at an office party and he went into the kitchen put a cup in the sink there was a dude in there washing dishes and shit mm -hmm. and the dude was like you're just gonna leave that cup in the sink and my brother was like uh yeah i'm just gonna leave the cup in the sink and the guy said is that how your mother raised you and my brother said something that we both said a dozen times throughout our lives which is you're gonna feel dumb in a second because my mom's dead and without skipping a beat the dude said did she die from washing dishes oh thank god <laughs> holy shit <laughs> <laughs> which is like the funniest oh, fucking thing i've God. ever and it's such a gamble like that is such so, like, a gamble do they know each other like kind no of? they didn't know they didn't know it, which makes it that's why it's so that funny. is like, such a ball i almost respect it like i respect the shit out of it it is like if somebody stops me on the street now like what's the funniest thing that's ever happened that's like off the top of my head like what 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 i say um wow. and five years earlier my brother would have fucking you know he would have will smith them right across the face but, that's true uh, you don't even know like did that happen that guy doesn't know if it happened yesterday he has no right. clue he's just <laughs> i'm just gonna say it fuck this guy yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. and uh and that Holy is my shit. kind of humor like i like to and it's it's annoying sometimes because i can't stop it it's a common thing i hear from like friends is like you can't take anything seriously can you because i'll always try to break tension with you know a joke if one comes to mind and that's a personality flaw to some extent but i do think i was able to kind of work it into this record uh to a you know to a good outcome yeah i think you did uh do you feel like you have that kind of mentality of like whatever quote unquote everything is terrible uh genuinely because it kind of like once you have the mentality things don't disappoint you anymore and you're kind of like free from that expectation of something being better and so you can get pleasantly surprised at times or something. No, I don't, I don't think it was like a, I think it was just getting beat down by too many people dying, honestly, to be, to be frank and, yeah. and learning about the world and shit like that. Like, um, I think that it's, it's, it's me more than anything. It's my, it's my perspective on it. Like there's plenty of good out there and when I see it 
when I, I just find it hard to recognize sometimes. And when I do recognize it, I try to really focus on it as much as possible because I think it's good for your mental health. Um, mm. And it's probably bad for your mental health to just think everything sucks and the heat death of the universe is inevitable and we're all going to die and nothing means anything. But it can make for some good bars sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Bar this is reminding me of, like this conversation is... Uh... Uh, reminding me of is the I don't know if you heard the new woods album that dropped yesterday um no I have not but I'm no, going to it's fantastic um there's one yeah, line, I see people talking about it left and right yeah it's Twitter. it's getting getting like high high praise uh but one of the lines that really stuck with me that's kind of related to this he says it's a freedom it's a freedom in knowing it's not going to get better or there's a freedom in knowing it's not going to get better and that one like I was like damn that's oh that's yeah just so much there. I'm just like, fuck, that's such an interesting way to put it because I am, that's why I was going with when I was asking that. Cause it kind of makes sense. It's like, just, if you kind of lose, lose that burden of trying to hope, which is fucked up. That's such a shitty kind of, in a way that's so sad, like, but it, it kind yeah. of is because if you're acknowledging what the world is, which is, there's a lot of just brutality out there. It kind of is freeing to know, well, it's probably not going to get better. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I felt that freedom. I don't feel that free. I feel mm. like when I get, when I get there, I'm just like, Jesus, that sucks or whatever. Yeah. Um, but maybe there is some sort of like unconscious freedom there. It, it allows me to, you know, I don't know. I think that mentality you could probably take too far. And I think I probably have just naturally letting it go too far for me. Mm. Um, so I'm also a huge proponent of like mental health, like therapy. Uh, I think that that's all like good stuff yeah. uh, and that, that everyone should probably be in talk therapy. Um, I've been in therapy since I was 16 years old. Um, and look at the, you know, how happy I am now. So it's great. Everyone should go, <laughs> everyone should go to it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> Well, where we all been out of late? I think it's safe to say we all could use an extra nap today. Panic kind of creeping in, so everybody's sleeping in. We could reconvene tomorrow afternoon, and by the weekend we'd be straight. I've always been a fan of sleeping late. I've always been a man of being great. I've always been a canopy of pain, not understanding that my only job's the rain. Some things is only built to file complaints. Yeah, so so if we like get into a bit more of like your lyricism it's very confessional. It's very honest. And it's definitely one of like the key kind of things that I feel a lot of people are drawn to in your music. Was lyricism like this? That's so honest and personal, always something you just wanted to create, or were there some artists maybe that guided you to and kind of like influence you to, to make this kind of style of rap? I think Teddy Brown Brown in particular is probably the furthest from me being inspired from somebody else. Um, a lot of my old stuff was uh, inspired, and I'm not trying to talk shit about my old stuff, but there is a difference between Teddy Brown Brown and everything I've done before. Um, was <clears throat> directly inspired by a lot of, you know, early 2000s underground hip hop. Um, mm -hmm. And with Teddy Brown Brown, the beats were so far from that sort of thing or anything, frankly, that like I would tend to gravitate towards that I just wrote stuff. Like I would just sit and write and without really putting too much thought into it. I do think that there's an, some, somebody I respect immensely is Aesop Rock. Uh, there's a handful of people that I used to listen to back in the day that are still making music who are better than they were before. Um, and he's one of them. And I think that like, he's somebody else who, if you listen to his early stuff, you could listen to it and be like, yeah, okay. Like, I don't know what he's saying, but it's mm -hmm. rocking or whatever. Um, whereas you hear something like, uh, I don't know if you listen to ASAP Rock or not. But I like, do, yeah. I okay. Like um, but like now you get, like he's kind of done what he did with Lucy and then like back, back on, um, his first Def Jux joint and then kind of combine that with his eccentric shit and also never let his flow fucking falter. And yeah. now you, 
now he has his joints like dog at the door which is i think is like the best song about anxiety that i've ever heard um mm. so if anybody like seeing seeing somebody who i was like a hero to me is a hero to me like be able to not suck <laughs> after so long and then also improve uh was a probably had some part to play in it and and may have subconsciously given me some sort of confidence to be less uh obtuse uh in how i write yeah that's something that i find really interesting because that's the that's like the main difference right and one thing i'm curious about when you talk about speaking a bit more directly i guess you could say there was something you there was an interview you did with poppycock magazine i think this was like a while ago like 10 years ago maybe um yeah and you said something that i want to quote because i found it was super cool way of putting it you said that uh there's safety in the abstract there's safety there's a safety net in metaphors so that is super cool i didn't yeah. remember saying that but that, no but you yeah. it's a, it's a good part it's exactly kind of what you're saying <laughs> so well uh, could you like expand a bit more on i guess you're so you're saying by now that it's not really a choice that you you kind of made music in this less obtuse way it was it just then the music was the reason your your lyrical focus was a little different on this album or was it life experience or was it you trying to just do something different i think it was it it was life experience and the not giving a shit about that safety net anymore you don't you don't need a safety net when you've hit the floor already you know what i mean I mean, in most universes, this record doesn't exist. In most universes, I like just drowned in depression and didn't make music again. And the the fact that this music got made is largely due to Alexander Brown and Tom Dilley Beats uh, saying, we are doing a project together. Like you need to give us bars and shit or whatever. We need to get this together. Um, and then me kind of just like reporting from the other side of the rubble to some extent. Like I don't, I, I don't give a shit anymore about a hiding behind metaphor. I don't, I don't care. And it turns out that like, uh, it turns out that speaking more plainly allows me to put more of my personality into it. Like allowed mm -hmm. me to kind of like flex my, like, I, I, I have a good sense of humor. People say I'm hilarious and handsome and good looking and that I have a lot of money. But, but uh, like dropping the dropping the need to wrap it in metaphor uh, gave me a lot more freedom to just talk. It also made writing a lot easier, and I changed my writing process as well. Like I I stopped sitting down and saying I need to write sixteen bars. I started like just jotting stuff down, and then after I would have a song, I would go back through and then edit it and like take stuff out, say this line could be better, you know. And uh, I've never done that before. I've always just written and then ran with whatever I had. So I think that has a part to play as well. But yeah, when, when we were talking about how to promote this record, like one of the things, one of the ideas that I had, which didn't pan out uh, that I pitched the label was we could like pitch this album as like notes from under the rubble. Like the building's already collapsed, it's game over. Like, and I'm just telling, I'm just trying to warn you, like <laughs> here's what's coming. Uh, for you or whatever shit just gets worse and you know the best you could do is be you know just have a sense of humor about it maybe well that's really well said is it more because you're a bit more like like direct is it more or is it ever kind of therapeutic when you create music like this does it help you kind of process things in a way no and i wish it did it's never i've, I've never really gotten the music as therapy sort of deal interesting um, yeah people say that uh but i don't know if people mean it like i don't know <laughs> i mean maybe they do i don't know but like i've never written something down and be like glad i got that off my chest or whatever um it it's therapy in the sense that like if you put something out that does mean something to you just to, to some extent or, or if you, whatever, if you just put something out and it affects somebody and then they tell you that it affected them, mm -hmm. that's got to be good on the psyche, I think. Um, the reception that Teddy Brown Brown got really surprised me and I, was, I wasn't expecting as many people to take to it as they did. And that's been 
great uh, for my general well-being and has certainly inspired me to just keep writing you know oh, that's, uh, get, that's great yeah get started on the next shit one thing that writing in this way as someone who again was only introduced to your music sort of recently i was introduced to your music prior to the album actually dropping so i listened to my favorite day parade that was the one that um a listener recommended to me and like i said so you're, I liked the, you're the seventh person that heard that record yeah yeah or sixth okay. seventh maybe eighth. <laughs> sixth um, <laughs> i listened to it earlier today so i count myself yeah um, yeah so okay that's seven, cool that's, that's, seven that's accurate technically I played it for um, my dog so it's nine now <laughs> <laughs> um but uh um what was i saying yeah the uh when i listened to that i liked it but when i listened to teddy brown brown and then went back to it I think because you let kind of more of your personality show and kind of more as you show, I found that one just instantly got so much better. Like I was like, wow, I know I really like this now. I just liked it. Now I like really like it. Um, I think it does kind you really of allow like you, to, you really like my favorite day parade better after you heard Teddy. Brown yeah. Or yeah. Like, like it Teddy sounded Brown better Brown. with, with the, with the, with kind context of hearing Teddy. Of, yeah. Context, that kind of thing. I felt like I okay. knew you more. So then it just made that one better. I think it's, that's pretty common with a lot of people's catalogs, but I feel like it was pretty, pretty evident with, with those two albums side by side. It's uh, because it is, it kind of allowed me to like, okay, I know more of this person. So then when you're a little more metaphorical and all that, it still, it hit a bit more, I guess. That's interesting. That's interesting. That's mm -hmm. cool. Um, and you put a lot of yourself into these rhymes, obviously explore some like difficult personal thoughts. Like, was there a record that was, very very difficult like one of the most you raw in person you've ever done and has there ever been one you've actually made and you're like i can't release this publicly like it just can't happen this is too much um no so, so i i swore off years ago trying to make songs about dead friends or whatever um because i never it never felt like i was doing it justice it always felt like corny to mm. me or whatever um and that i was just doing what i thought i was supposed to be doing or whatever um and so the the like get, touching the raw nerve is something i don't generally do because i do keep a distance with like trying to not trying but just putting jokes in there i think just mm -hmm. like in life like while i'm writing i naturally keep a sort of distance from it and then you know i can say stuff like you know i could put that on the listener you know i can mm -hmm. just introduce the fact that like my mom's dead like out of nowhere and then like ha that's on now it's your now it's on you like i, mm -hmm. I knew it so it doesn't affect me but <clears throat> now it's on you or whatever so no there's nothing that's there, there's stuff that i didn't do well before i don't think um like if you go back to my first record, uh, there's a song called Smile about my mom. Um, and I remember thinking that that didn't really hit like I wanted it to. I think, <clears throat> yeah, I don't, I don't know. Nothing, nothing too raw because I kind of keep a distance mm -hmm. to some extent. There's a... Um, you know, Helter Skelter, I would imagine, correct? Rock and Sean Price. Um, so when Sean Price passed, I saw a video that Rock put out. Uh, I don't know the name of the song, but it was like obviously a tribute to Sean Price. It was like mm -hmm. ostensibly, uh, I miss my dead friend song. And like eight bars in, I've only heard the song once, so excuse me if I get some of this wrong, but like eight bars in, he stopped and he's like, you know what, fuck this, this isn't what we did. He wouldn't, he wouldn't like this at all. And then the rest of the song is just him going back to his own shit and i was like that's a tribute that's more authentic yeah. yeah yeah and like there's there's a joint on teddy brown brown that is like a stealth i miss my homie song but it's done in like a super stealth way uh that's like that i'm it's the most i'm i'm i feel like i'm not putting enough respect on these words <laughs> but it's the most like I miss my friend song like it's completely me and me not feeling like I didn't hit the mark and I'm not doing them justice that I've done so far and it's because I did it in my own lane as opposed to saying you know um, 
you know i used like to have really directly friend, i'm like, really sad i miss my friends yeah is it yeah, dear friends exactly. that's the song you're talking about i i'm going to keep it a complete secret because okay well i'll i i want to ask you a question about about dear friends just generally not you know not directly about that but i think that was the song that really showed me how great of a storyteller you are and i think you're just really good at that generally and um i think i actually i may have tweeted about this actually recently it's uh it's like to the beginning closer to the beginning of the record where you you introduce your uh your like your homie and you're talking to your homie gus and yeah you just say he's my dog yeah i appreciated the shit out of that tweet i i really did because that like actually i didn't really i didn't catch it initially and then i heard it like a few like a week ago or something and i was just like that like made me really crack up because i thought you were talking about a person you have to be right. talking about a person and then you're right. talking about your dog and then it but then it like hits a different layer where it felt really lonely like it added to the loneliness because like obviously like if I, I love my cat you know my cat's my best friend but there's a lot of times where i feel like damn he's like <laughs> yeah I, I, I do feel that similar like kind of loneliness where i'm like damn like all i got is my cat like i don't have a girl i don't have and it's just like it's just that feeling and i just like it you didn't really you didn't it was still funny but it just added to the the emptiness i felt the loneliness of just like hmm, melancholy eh, yeah whatever and i just and i find those kind of details like, are striking you know th- thank you thank you i i yeah when i saw you write about that i was like it was one of those moments where I was like, that is dope. I hadn't thought about that. Like the, the stealth, like introduction of like, here's a, here's a named thing. You're going to assume it's a person. And then I'm like, well, what do they say? It's nothing. He's a dog. <laughs> and then, then you move on from that or whatever. Um, yeah. That I wrote that like as, literally as he was trying to chase deer. <laughs> like we were taking a walk and I was writing and then he was trying to chase deer. Um, that ran away from him or whatever um but yeah it's not dear friends we can talk about dear friends all day long if you like, so. mm-hmm. <laughs> like one thing that's obviously like a big black cloud or elephant in the room for all of us but i think especially artists because artists felt the brunt of this in a way that was pretty unique is obviously like the pandemic and shit like that um and i'm curious like how was your how did the pandemic experience maybe shape this record, if at all, did it amplify certain aspects of feeling that kind of nihilistic, like everything's kind of terrible? Um, yes. Or yeah, it did. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, it, it was always there, but like when I was in Baltimore, it was for, for years, it was me, DJ Attic and Cubby Bear. And we all lived within blocks of each other. And I don't know if you ever heard of Cubby Bear, but he's- No, I have uh, not. You you got to check his shit. He's one of the most amazing artists you'll ever hear. Um, he's largely responsible for me existing as a musician. I mean, there's a few of those people, but he's one of those very few. Um, and he's passed since. Um, and then it was just me and Attic, uh, me and DJ Attic, you know, in the same neighborhood or whatever. But we were still in the city, doing shit, whatever. And then COVID hits, and I'm up here. And then you realize how like fragile things are, you know, um, in terms of like st- structure of society and mm-hmm. shit. And then you have mania people who I think are maniacs running their mouth on TV all the fucking time. Like we got Nazis again. And I'm like, just none of this is going to work out. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> this is, and so I think that a lot of that kind of pervades like itself into the, into the music. Um, and I think that's grammatically terrible, that sentence that I just said, but hopefully nobody will know. You know that, that I, we get the point, I think. And she said, why don't y'all buy me your drink? She said, I said, your neck smell like yesterday breath. And you should get that check, plus your bracelets is handcuffed. Cold. And they hang it from a wrist nobody wants to hold. And they bang you from the back because they don't like your front. Because you front, you just another bar slug with a buzz to talk karma. But going drive home drunk like all month, y'all get the fuck out my because you said like the acclaim has been very surprisingly positive and all that good stuff so i'm curious like you're generally seem to be very self-deprecating like a lot of times shrouded in humor but that is kind of even in some of the interviews i saw you do previously it's a common theme but was there a moment in your career earlier where you're like oh 
I really actually can do this. Like I actually am, I have a talent and knack for this rap thing. No, no. And I apologize for shaking my head on a podcast, uh, which I just did <laughs> for the listeners. I just emphatically shook my head. No. There's a video um, version. It's all good. Uh, <laughs> so uh, no. And I think that's my, like, there's some cognitive dissonance there. Like I've never felt that there are people out there who, I've known for years that are making music uh, in Baltimore uh, or wherever that are just, they've been doing it for so long and they're so mad that, 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 that the world hasn't caught on to the talent that they have, that they've just, they live and breathe hip hop and they've done so much for the culture. And like, you know, like they've been doing this forever and like still like nobody comes to my shows and nobody buys my shit or whatever, which, you know, sometimes is a valid take and I understand that's gotta be frustrating, but like, check your bars homie like maybe you're not that dope you know what i mean like there's a there's a lack of self-awareness in a lot of those folks and i think mm. my almost ever-present imposter syndrome is one of the best things that i have like i've been i've been surprised to be allowed in the door from day one and i've been surprised i'm still allowed to be here you know mm -hmm. um i'm constantly surprised when people like my shit um some i mean sometimes i nail a verse like sometimes i write a verse and record it and i'm like that's what i was trying to do like i yeah. i nailed what i was trying to do but i'm never like this is gonna this is gonna change the world or like this is what the world needs right now or this is gonna save hip-hop or whatever so like none of that stuff is what around and i'm and i'm super grateful for it because i think it's one of my you know i think the second i lose that is the second you start putting out you know mediocre shit yeah i think there's certain artists there's i think there's in certain there's very very few honestly that can be so i guess you could say delusional for a lack of a better word and so self-aggrandizing and so egotistical and it somehow works and a lot of times it's really just based on the kind of music they normally make like if you're the type of music you make that's where it would really be a problem like if you're trying to be so <laughs> personal, so like honest and, and therefore requiring me to care, I need to kind of care about what you're saying. Uh -huh. It's just like, this guy is a ridiculous, like that's such a foolish way of looking at whatever topic, whatever subject, but you, yeah. that's definitely required, but I think you, you nail it for sure. Because it, it, it's like, damn, like you're talking about all these heavier topics, but you just seem like you're not, you're not going overboard with any of it. And I just feel like I can connect like it's a regular guy talking about things that they care about, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm, su I'm surprised anyone listens to my shit. You know what I mean? Um, and I've been that way forever. Um, a lot of that, some of that mentality comes from Cubby bear who was like the first person to kind of point out how it's, it's easy when you get involved in the scene. Like when I first got, became part of like the Baltimore rap scene. It's, it is easy to kind of feel like, oh, I'm here. Like I've done it. Like I've, I've made it. I'm, mm -hmm. I must be a talent. I must have something people like at the end of the day, like everyone's going home and they're scared. They're not going to be liked. You know what I mean? Like artists in particular are like scared. They're not going to be liked. And sometimes that comes out in, uh, the most pathetic Facebook posts I've ever seen where, where people are like, you know, I've been doing this forever and blah, 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 blah. But, you know, uh, and sometimes it'll, it'll eat you alive. But I think me not expecting much kind of helped me out. And I'm also a generally self-deprecating yeah, person. I think like people it, yeah. are corny. I think like I have, everyone has imposter syndrome. I have imposter syndrome, but I have the benefit of like being so in my brain all the time that like, I know, everyone has imposter syndrome and so like so shut up <laughs> you know what i mean if you're if you're bragging in my face uh like uh, generally i know that you're gonna you know you're crying yourself to sleep at night yeah that's how it normally normally is i i think people yeah people when they when they really care about something that's where it gets tough to be so down to earth and like reasonable and 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 uh yeah grounded because yeah i find i i i'm similar to you when it comes to like my 
non-music related work where it's just like i kind of know a lot of this is just like corny so it's like mm. like I, yeah. I i like what i do it's it's good pays the bills but it's like you know i'm not i'm not acting like i'm saving the world here right managing and, and we were all like yeah we were all not not musicians at some point we didn't yeah. no wizard came down and said you have bars uh <laughs> you know what i mean like have bars and go forth or whatever like that's that didn't happen to anybody like we all started by being like can i do could i do this like maybe i maybe i can do this and some people get to the point where they're like yeah i can do this and some people get to the point where like i'm saving the world like this is i'm telling the world about the conspiracy theories that the world needs to know about and like i'll save the world or whatever or like or you could wind up like jay-z who i think is somebody who's like incredibly like i think he embodies uh he's like so he is but he's almost the exception to the rule like that's what i meant when i was saying there's very few artists that actually where it's like you actually it's authentic for you to feel this confident this self-aggrandizing kendrick's another one when you talk about oh my god yes kendrick when you're saying about some no wizard tells you you got bars like comes down i i don't know if he literally posted this himself or he spoke about this but yeah i think he spoke about how he had like a vision that like tupac told him like he was the same like like he was the neck like he was next up or something <laughs> in rap. I, I actually think there's truth to that i think there is something he said along those lines but it's just in his vibe everything about him he takes things so seriously he he definitely has a perspective on like you know political socio-political stuff where it's like it fits you know and he's really great oh, yeah. i think he's a great rapper so it's like he's not whack so that's I think the biggest part. He's not whack. So you're like you that know, is the, I, that is the first the first thing you need. The first criteria. Be, he's actually not whack. Right. And, yeah, and not only not yeah. whack, but like transcendent. Like he he is yeah. he is a, an incredible gift to to the world. Like his his music is it's weird. It's it's not weird. It it's like he says a lot of stuff in a way that like people who normally wouldn't get the message do get the message um he he also like i don't know there's there's uh, people who misinterpret shit all the time but like yeah he exudes confidence i I also think childish gambino is another person who's just like on some next level anything you do is like you're you're kind of nailing it i mean he's not i don't think childish gambino is on the same level as somebody like kendrick but i i have been extremely impressed in some of the like the more like left field shit that he's come out with uh that have just simply worked because he's like this is gonna work because i'm me and i'm good at it or whatever yeah he's it's funny because he got um i don't know if you saw this there was a recent interview magazine where he interviewed himself it got to it came out this week and people are just like going crazy over it and i get some of the people like a lot of journalist people are like this is why journalism is like needed and it's like yeah i get it but it's like Charles Campino, my opinion, he's like, he's not someone who's, there's not something he needs to be held accountable for. He's not like, a. I don't think he's done anything publicly that's really bad. So it's like, I don't right. know why everything needs to be serious because it's fucking like ridiculous. Like he's asking himself like ridiculous, stupid questions and the answers it. Like, it's kind of funny. I thought it was kind of funny. And it's I would also imagine like, that's the tone, right? Like, it's, yeah, and it's kind of it's, funny. So you're saying journalists are pissed off? Like, this is why well, no, this but interview people, doesn't work because but there is no one... there is some there are certain criticisms of him that I think are valid. But at the end of the day, I think he's he is like that. I, it's I think people don't realize how confident he is. Like he's right. with all the corny. Like, yeah, he's he doesn't care that he's corny. He knows he's like that like weirdo guy when he was growing up. But man, he has a he has a vision, and I think. I think he, I think his, like Atlanta, I think his show is probably the most realized form of art he's created other than his music, which I do really like. I really like the wake of my love. I really like because the internet, um, yeah, that, that, that kind of person, it fits the bill. If he's that, like that, that believes that strongly that what he's doing is such a service and like such a force in the world, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He may be somebody where a lack of self-awareness is good. Like if he, if he spent too much time thinking about am I, I'm an actor, but I'm a comedian, but am I doing music? Is that okay? Which is how mm-hmm. I would process all that. You know, um, he's just like, I am all this and I'm good enough at all of it. Um, mm-hmm. that, you know, it, it just works for him, I think yeah. all around. And so going to something that we kind of touched on before is like, unlike 
my favorite day parade. You relinquish the beat making duties to Alexander Brown, Tom DeLay beats. Um, and so I'm curious, like, why did you, uh, why did you want to let others produce this record for you? Because the other was, was fully self-produced by you. And like, how did you feel relinquishing the beat making duties and just focusing on the rap solely like helped or changed the end product? Well, I feel like when you got like a name as big as mine, like it's, it's a responsibility to like bless your homies that might be <laughs> needing a little help, you know what I mean? And lift them up. Uh, so I called them up. They took my call, obviously. I was like, I'm gonna do y'all a favor. It's like, no, that's not what um, it, it happened organically. I've been working with Tom Delay Beats since 2006, mm-hmm. I believe. He um he started a record label in Baltimore that uh that I was initially a part of that that got my foot in the door. So I've been working with him, you know, for a long time. And then um Alexander Brown, I met couple years later in the scene in Baltimore as he was getting started making beats. Um, but I think it just got started organically once I, I moved out here. Um, uh, Tom Delay Beats sent me the beat for Panic with a Panic Buddy and I wrote to it. And then somehow Alexander Brown got in the mix, like maybe he mixed it actually, That's like quite literally, maybe he just mixed it. And I think around that same time he sent me the beat for dear friends and mm. I wrote dear friends and recorded that. And those happened around the same time. And so we thought let's make a record. Um, it was probably them more than me because they're um, less ambitious than they are. And they were like, we should probably just make a whole record or whatever. And I was like, all right, let's do it. And then, so that's how that, that's how that started at least. Yeah, and the name, and the name like, works. Teddy Brown. Brown. The name was all me. I'm taking credit for the name. That's yeah. At some point during the record, I was like, guys, I want to call this Teddy Brown Brown. And as I recall, they were both like, "Hmm, I don't know if that's good or not. And I was like, well, it doesn't matter because I know. And it's great. Um, I love the name Teddy Brown Brown. I don't know why I love the name Teddy Brown Brown. No, it's, it's just, just, I like, it's charming. I like the, like the album artwork too. It all fits really nice. It's a good package. Thank you. you That I, I took that photo. And I don't oh, yeah? know what I'm doing. Yeah, I don't know what I'm doing with the camera. But I was like, three chairs, Teddy Brown Brown. You know. No, that's really nice. And I, man, I always say this, but the especially as a first impression, that's super important. I was instantly drawn. I'm like, oh, this just looks, this looks legit. You know, worth me cool. listening. Awesome. I judge things by their cover a lot, especially when there's too much yeah. music out. You know, it's hard to make decisions on what to press play on. You know, if you oh, have a really a awful album cover. It's like I got to have a hard recommendations like a reason to think you're good before yeah and so further to this topic of the lyricism like the last thing i really want to get into about this record is one of the clear boldest songs on the record is a song about cigarettes but it's about my dead mom too that is actually the title for those unaware um (laughs) could you could you illustrate like how you even conceptualize the song this funny but also so bare and raw at the same time uh, that's another one that where I didn't go into, I didn't sit down and say, I'm going to write, I'm going to try to thread a needle between like my addiction to cigarettes and the fact that they killed my mom and their complicated kind of twisty turny thing. That was, that was me writing. Like, I think that was around the time where I was leaning into being as me as pot, like letting all the metaphor shit go. And like, just, and I was just like, I love cigarettes. I love cigarette breaks. Like you can't be more on the nose than that. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no hidden meaning whatsoever. But I would, I don't recall exactly, but I would just knowing me, I guarantee I wrote everything up until about cigarettes. I got nothing but good shit to say. And then, then I was like, Oh, I know what this song's going to be. And it's like, ain't they kill your mom, my dude. And like, and I'm like, well, that's what the rest of the song is going to be is me playing around in that field of like, the the absolute ridiculousness of the fact that like I watched watched the whole thing go down and you know it changed the trajectory me trajectory of my life and uh, like add that to the add that to the to the fact that she kind of chose it she had lung cancer twice she beat it and then kept smoking on the low then got it again and then passed so like there was like a long time where like 
I was like, well, she chose that or whatever. Um, over us, uh, you know, right. over yeah. her, her family and shit. I think it is a little more complicated than that. And surely, um, yeah, yeah. That's that song is probably I'm most proud of that song. I, I think that I do. That's a song where, like, after those first six or eight bars, like, I knew what I was trying to do, and I was like, I want to try to write a song about my dead mom and how I smoke cigarettes, but I'm going to try to make it funny as well. But I also wanted to like punch people in the face sometimes. Like I wanted to want people to be rocking out and just be like, ah, fuck this guy. Like, why, why would he say that? Like, that's that's exactly the tone that you strike. Cause I'm like listening to it and I'm just starting to get really uncomfortable towards the end of it. I'm like, wait, is he really? I was like, Oh, Oh, see that, that little piece in my stomach. I'm just starting to turn a bit, but I'm like, damn, that's sucks. But also it's kind of funny the way you're saying it like that's just it is kind of ridiculous like you said ridiculous is the right word like but life's ridiculous you know a lot of ridiculous shit happens all the time yeah like me like nothing really has much meaning except for what you can give to it or whatever so like it's it is all ridiculous but thank you for saying that that's that is that is one song where i was like trying to go go for that like i'll go from punchline to like don't forget my mom said or whatever (laughs) and like i think when you're talking about a concept like that's touching on um, addiction. I think that's a really good tone to hit because kind of in a way addiction, I'm not trying to diminish it. I hope you understand that. I'm just saying it is a ridiculous, it's one of the more ridiculous things that happens in the world, but it's obviously it's addiction. There's real like chemist chemical shit happening in your body that makes it difficult, all that stuff. But it's like people every day do things that are actively bad for them, but we do it for so many rational reasons that, and, and we just do it like it's not just cigarettes like i eat junk food a lot or i do this or i fucking watch porn like what a lot of people have weird addictions but it's just funny in a way even though it's fucked up but this happens no, it, all it's the absurd. time it's yeah, absurd yeah it's absurd yeah. I, yeah i know exactly what you mean it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't make sense and that's and that's why i think there's like a good i think it's changed over the past you know whatever kind of years um but there's there's you hear a lot from people who don't understand addiction or depression for that matter. Like, just stop. Yeah. Just stop. Like, why don't you just stop? Uh, and what they don't get is like everything in me wants to stop, like, except for me not stopping or whatever. Um, like if there was like a stop it button, like I would hit the shit out of that button. Uh, but you just, sometimes you just don't until you can or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. and, most of the time in my experience people can't uh and they it sticks with them forever which is ridiculous that is ridiculous like if aliens were looking at us they'd be like why is he doing that again exactly like he did that yesterday and then he fell asleep in a bush it and he didn't seem happy about it in the morning so why is he doing that again today and like we would need to explain to aliens like oh no we're dumb like we're not dumb but like we have this you know something in our genetics and our, our brain like gets us stuck in these loops where you know it's it feels impossible not to do stuff and that's leaving out the physical aspect of it that's just the mental yeah. you know yeah. it's just the mental addiction part of it yeah 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 that's i love the way you put that um so yeah i just have to say really really appreciate uh really appreciate you making that album i think it's definitely been one of the most rewarding listens like further like uh, in terms of replay value and all that this year it's definitely been and i've heard a lot of good things from people that i respect too people really loving this record thank you man i really appreciate that um i'm i'm very proud of this record and i didn't like like i said before i didn't see the i, I mean I'm, I'm floored by the the you know uh some of the stuff i've heard about it and um mm-hmm. and you know being invited onto you know your podcast and stuff like that it's like it's a goddamn joy um even though i sit here the whole time and i'm like life sucks blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and like i'm self-conscious about that i hope that i don't come across the whole time it's like boy this guy's a fucking no, no I, I think you're coming off just fine uh yeah so no that's that's no that's dope and i definitely appreciate you coming on too before we before we wrap here what are some like upcoming projects you have i think you mentioned something you're working on uh, yeah, my next album is called The Banshee Connection. Um, that's not true. That's a lie. Um, I just promised my brother I would say that if I was asked this question because <laughs> somehow the phrase Banshee Connection came up yesterday. And then I was like, I'm going to say that on the podcast. Um, 
so yeah i'm working i mean uh karma kids has been a huge fucking they they've been a huge and you know i should have mentioned them earlier we are the karma kids is the label that released teddy brown brown uh chances are very strong you would have never heard it it had they not put the weight behind it that they had um they've been incredible uh in terms of driving this record since it's come out uh so we've been talking about what we're doing next and we got you know i got some beats from some folks maybe some people you've interviewed in the past um i don't really know what's gonna happen but uh mm, okay yeah but i'm i'm writing still and uh, i'm kind of i'm enjoying writing now for the first time in a long time um for lack of a better phrase like i'm kind of feeling myself a little bit uh so expect me to be really out of pocket next time it's gonna be all confidence and no self-deprecation yeah i'll be like actually never mind on teddy brown brown i am the shit and check me out and why doesn't more people buy my shit and you're gonna call you know like all jay-z you're gonna call yourself like tova <laughs> tova <laughs> be like ain't them sandals <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah and we have um we got more teddy brown brown stuff coming out too we got some uh we have some videos in the bag um nice that are that we're going to be dropping soon um and we also have i don't know if i'm supposed to be talking about this but what, what are they gonna do um we got uh remixes that we've asked uh, some really talented producers to do nice. for songs on teddy brown brown and what i would like is for every song to be remixed by a producer and then us release it you know as a remix record uh, with you know 10 different producers um and I've gotten some incredible stuff back so far. Um, some of the stuff beats the original drawings, if you ask me. Um, oh, I can't say stuff like that when I didn't produce a song, but I did, so whatever. <laughs> <laughs> the Browns won't know which one I'm talking about, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also got some singles. Uh, I got some singles that I'll be dropping soon. Uh, one that Is I'm it really off the, the, the new record? No, no, just like one off. Lucy's, yeah. Um, yeah exactly and one's about um oddly enough i said i'd never write about dead people again one of them is a is just a list of the dead people that i know i was like well let me try to write a completely unemotional list of the people that i know that have died and then it turns into a pretty emotional song about gus who passed away um but i'm oh, super no. proud of that oh. and i'll be dropping that uh you know whenever the stars align yeah. that's ready to go Sorry, I just made the end to this real awkward. You were landing this real perfect. And then I was like, hey, you see that cloud over there? Cloud looks like uh, a bird or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, no, thank you so much, man. This has been a really entertaining conversation. And I think uh, I think people really will learn something about like how you make your music. and Because I think a lot of this was pretty enlightening, um, especially when it came to how you how you approach making some of this music because it's not what I expected. I thought some of it was a bit more calculated than others. And then others I thought were less calculated, but actually were, you know, much more thought through. So it's, it's interesting. Really appreciate the time. Well, I appreciate you having me on for real. It's been a blast on my end as well. Yeah. All right. Well, take care and uh, have a good rest of the weekend. I will. I will. You do the same, my dude. Peace. Peace. I love cigarettes, I love cigarette breaks. I like smoking after eating, after drinking every cigarettes. Great about cigarettes, I got nothing but good shit to say. Um, ain't they kill your mom, my dude? Mm, okay, okay, super touche, that's a very good point. She loved him so much, her last words were, Lord, take care of my boys. And she ain't in her boys. She loves cigarettes so much, once the hospital called And they said your mother's smoking in a cancer ward with oxygen on I said my mom's a motherfucking bomb, your mother's a whore I ain't calling you with breaking news when all them dicks is at her door She did today the same she did before, she do it again Do you not comprehend how fucking awesome cigarettes is? You wouldn't know So there we have it, another episode of the Rap Music Plug podcast presented by QLC TV I hope this episode gave you some new perspectives and insights into what the greatest art form known to man in hip-hop music has to offer. If you want to support the show in the most meaningful way possible, it would be my absolute honor to have you as a patron in the new Rap Music Plug podcast Patreon. Through this Patreon, you will be getting exclusive content such as bonus episodes, exclusive album recommendations, exclusive playlists, 
early access to episodes, and more. And above all though, you will be able to support the show directly in a way that will not only justify the crazy amount of time I spend on this show already, but allow me to cover some of the expenses related to supporting all of these great artists that we cover on the show through the website and will allow us to sustain and build on this amazing growth that the RMPP has experienced recently. Big shout out to Dano of Free Music Empire, Levy, Mahima, Jeff, Mitch, Dash Lewis, Pancake Cleaner, Trey, Noah, Justin, Brandon, Joe, Gavin, Matt, Fatman Tomb, and Khalid for your generous support through the Patreon. I really appreciate it. So if you have any questions about any of the Patreon stuff or just want to keep tabs on the show, interact with me on rap music and all the great stuff that we can talk about, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at rapmusicplugpod or shoot me an email at qlctv.podcast at gmail.com. You can also rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and subscribe on YouTube and Spotify as well. But that's enough self-promotion for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Peace.